All right, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is Friday. I believe it's February 21st. It's late Friday night. Uh, Man, it's been a hectic week. A lot of good stuff has happened this week. It's been a busy week. Busy is not bad. Busy is just tiring. You know, it's been a busy, long, hectic, and time-consuming week. A lot of good stuff. Uh, If you're not sure, today's episode is Ask Zach, episode 10. And for those who don't know, Ask Zach works this way. We're reading questions from the audience through Patreon. So how do you submit a question through Patreon for Ask Zach? You go to patreon.com forward slash strong opinion. Excuse me. Wow. Patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler. That's my name. I'm Zach Shomler. You can give a dollar a month. You can give more if you want. Please do. It literally helps pay my rent. It makes a huge impact on my life. So people submit questions. And then once a week, I sit down to a full episode of the podcast where I simply answer questions. We call it Ask Zach. Now, here's how it works. If you donate money, I do not guarantee to answer your question. My only guarantee is I guarantee, and I promise, I look at every single question with my eyeballs. I guarantee to look at what you submit. I may not choose what you put, submit. I get a lot of questions. I pick the best ones. That's how it works. Um, and I, you know, I pick whatever questions I find most interesting to make the best possible show. The first question I want to answer today is from a guy named Andrew. Andrew writes in. He says, hey, Zach, where do you think Tom Brady should go if you think where do you let me let me restart the question's weirdly weirdly phrased i'm just going to answer his question andrew writes in he says hey zach where do you think tom brady should go dallas chicago where should he go so number one i want to say i really strongly believe tom brady needs to leave the new england patriots like has to for multiple reasons first of all they're not a great football team tom brady has a better chance to win another Super Bowl if he's on a different roster next season. But also staying in New England, if he stays in New England with the Patriots, with Bill Belichick, he actually hurts his legacy. That's a weird thing to say. A lot of people are like, what? They're up in arms. They're furious at me. And I know that's an odd, controversial thing to say. But think about this. In the next, he's got what? You know, a year or two left. And the last two years of Tom Brady's career, he's got an opportunity to leave a lasting impression on his career. He's always going to be remembered as a guy who won six Super Bowls, did phenomenal stuff, did it in New England, though, with Bill Belichick. If he stays in New England, he will be remembered as the guy who, in the end, was afraid to leave Bill Belichick. He was afraid to try to succeed without his head coach. Look, nothing wrong with that, I guess. But man, what if Tom Brady goes somewhere else? If he stays, his legacy will be the, of course, probably greatest quarterback of all time, won six Super Bowls, but he was afraid to win and try to succeed without his coach. People will say Brady needed Belichick. He was scared to leave in the end. It feels like the end. If he doesn't leave New England now, it's, people are going to remember the, this inflection point where he decided to stay rather than pursue a better opportunity with a different football team. Tom Brady needs to leave New England. And here's the deeper issue. I really believe Tom Brady has about two years left. Maybe it's more than two. It's at least two. Who knows after that? But Tom Brady has to ask himself, what do I want to get out of these next two years? He's got a lot of options. There's a rumor out there that the 
Raiders would be willing to give him a two-year, $60 million contract. That's $30 million a year. And my first reaction when I heard that, I heard the Raiders are interested. I went, nah, who cares? The Raiders would only be doing that to get attention. They're moving to a new city. They have a new stadium. They're just trying to sell tickets in their new city. That's what I thought at first. That was my gut reaction. And then I sat on it, and I thought about it for a while. And I thought about the Raiders head coach, John Gruden. And I thought, you know, what does John Gruden want in a quarterback? Number one above all else, John Gruden wants a quarterback who can execute and execute to perfection, do a great job running his offense. Guy who makes great decisions, who puts the ball in the right spot consistently, more often than not, probably every single time. That's how Tom Brady plays. He makes like one mistake an entire football game. It's rather impressive. I mean, yeah, look, John Gruden would love to have a really talented quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. Of course, who wouldn't want to have Patrick Mahomes? But the number one thing John Gruden values is a guy who executes. And here's the honest truth. When you watch the Raiders in the last couple of years, their quarterback, Derek Carr, doesn't do that. Derek Carr, the current Raiders quarterback, makes a lot of mistakes. I am telling you, Tom Brady, excuse me, John Gruden wants Tom Brady. The coach wants that quarterback. He wants the guy who does it the right way. And if you think about it, they are a great fit together. It's a deadly combination. They would collaborate really, really well together. John Gruden is uniquely equipped to understand Tom Brady better than any other head coach in the NFL. You got to realize, look at the past. Look at who John Gruden has been in the last 10, 15 years. John Gruden has been the man He was ESPN's top dog for a while doing Monday Night Football. He's been a broadcaster. He's a brand. He does commercials. He films stuff. He's got social media. He understands the world and how to be part of a brand. Tom Brady, let's be clear, is an influence. He's more than just a football player. He's an influencer. He's a guy whose brand is important. It matters. The TB12 diet, the shirts, the hats, the... The, the mantra, who he is, his legacy, all that stuff matters. And John Gruden understands that better than any other head coach could. And man, John Gruden and the Raiders, they would work hard. The Raiders would work hard to give Tom Brady really good receivers. And if they weren't able to get Tom Brady help, they would feel bad. Genuinely, they would feel bad. What has Bill Belichick failed to do in the last couple of years with Tom Brady? He's failed to give him really good offensive talent around him. I, I, the Raiders view Tom Brady as an abused dog or a mistreated girlfriend. They go, man, you've been badly treated, but we can give you what you deserve. Tom Brady has options too. Tom Brady, you know, he could stay in New England if he does that. I don't think anybody will respect Tom Brady if he stays in New England. Like, of course, there's a basic level of respect Tom Brady gets simply for being Tom Brady. But if Tom Brady stays in New England, his mission will feel empty. It's like, you really want to win a Super Bowl? Because if you really wanted to win a Super Bowl, I think you would have left. I think you would have gone somewhere else. And Tom Brady could go to a team like the Indianapolis Colts or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They have good players, and he could go there and chase a Super Bowl. But here's the final, most interesting option to me. The other option. Tom Brady could choose people. He could choose an organization. He could say, hey, I look around the NFL. Who do I want to work for? Who do I want to work with? 
Tom Brady has to ask himself, what do I want out of these next two years of my career? Maybe the final two years of my career. Number one, he wants a Super Bowl, of course. He wants to win a championship. Again, another one. But then what? After a Super Bowl, what else do you want out of the experience? You want a fulfilling experience. You want to work with people that you like, that you get along with, that have the same mission and vision as you, and do it the same way you do. Here's the question Tom Brady needs to ask himself. If he doesn't win a Super Bowl, where does he want to be? I'm telling you, if he goes to Tampa Bay or he goes to the Indianapolis Colts, Chasing a Super Bowl and then he fails, that would be devastating. It would feel like a waste. I went to Tampa Bay, Florida to play for the Buccaneers and I still didn't get what I wanted. And I didn't even, uh, it would just be so devastating, I believe, for Tom Brady. But what if he went to the Raiders? If Tom Brady went to the Raiders but didn't win the Super Bowl, he would still get the opportunity to work with John Gruden, the Raiders head coach. He might say, hey, this is my last run, and I don't want to miss out on this opportunity to work with John Gruden, to work with this guy who understands me, who wants to help me, who wants to give me the things I need. Finally, somebody who understands these are my needs. I need this as a quarterback. I need help. I need people around me, and I need a coach who's willing to make that happen, and a general manager, Mike Mayock, who would go after that and really strongly pursue people who would help make Tom Brady a successful quarterback. Think about this, man. If I don't get my main goal of winning a Super Bowl, where will I be satisfied? I think Tom Brady would be satisfied in Las Vegas. Again, if Tom Brady doesn't win a Super Bowl, if he goes to Indianapolis or he goes to Tampa Bay and somehow doesn't win a Super Bowl, I really believe he would would retire with regret. He'd walk away from that regretting, oh, man. Yeah, John Gruden and I really hit it off. I really got along with that coach. And I'm sad I never got the experience. I never got to play for Gruden. Think about it. Tom Brady in Vegas in the silver and black. Tom Brady would love to open a stadium. He would love it. That whole experience. Be the face of Las Vegas. If Tom Brady stays with the Patriots, it feels like he's settling. "Mm, Tom, it seems like you could do better. You could find... Better people to work with and a better roster. You're not getting either New England. In Indianapolis, in Tampa Bay, you're getting a great roster. And in, in Las Vegas, Nevada with the Raiders, you're getting great people to work with. The head coach who gets you. And you might just be surprised at how hard the Raiders would work to build a championship team around Tom Brady. They got a great running back. They had an interesting offensive line that's getting better. They got some really good young defensive players. I really believe, man, I'm telling you, Maybe it's a Colts, maybe it's a Buccaneers. But I believe Tom Brady might surprise everybody and choose to work with John Gruden in Vegas. The more I think about it, the more I love it. And man, I hope, I really hope it happens. Let's go to the next question. The next question is from Joe. Joe writes in, he says, How many seasons do you think the XFL will have if you had to guess? And also... How long before they add more teams to the league? Um, how long will the XFL last? I'm not sure. I don't, you know, I don't know. I do think it's stable, though. Here's a big, really good sign that, first of all, the XFL has more money than a lot of other leagues in the past and even current leagues. A lot of people, Canadian football players, you know, the CFL is a big thing. It's been around for years. And 
the, the star players of the CFL are flocking from Canada to go play in the XFL. It's very interesting. There are a lot of articles about this. A lot, and look, follow the players. A lot of players that were star players in Canada have taken jobs in the XFL and left the CFL. That's very telling. There's more money in the XFL. It's very interesting. Why are people doing this? They're like, hey, I'm not a star NFL player. I'm not Patrick Mahomes. I'm not Tom Brady. I got to make the most of this experience because I'm an athlete, and who knows how long I'm going to be able to do this. Players are going to the XFL because there's more money than the CFL. What, what is the XFL? The XFL is not college football. It's a step up. It's not the NFL. It's a step below the NFL. Somewhere in between the NFL and college football is where the XFL is. The talent is good. The talent is there. Is that sustainable? I don't know. I think so. There's a lot of money there. And man, here's a really interesting point is that television networks want the XFL. You got to realize it's February. There's not a lot going on. There's no baseball. There's like baseball like, yeah, like, yeah. There's, there's basketball, yes, but it's not playoff basketball. And on weekends, you need stuff to put on television. This time of year, you have time slots you need to fill. And so television networks, they want the XFL because it gives them something to put on TV and something interesting and potentially something that could get a lot of ratings. Far more than a, a regular NBA basketball game would get in early February. And I'm telling you, there are a lot of fans that like the XFL. I love it. I went to a game. It was phenomenal. Almost 30,000 people at the game I was at last week. So I'm telling you, if you want the XFL to stick around, Number one, watch the games. Show up for the league. If you like it, support it. Very simple. And then post about it on social media. That's the second thing. Post about the XFL on social media. If you like it, tell the world. Tell your friends and family how much you like it. Tell your friends. Help them spread the word about how much you like the XFL. Now, the second part of the question from Joe, Joe says, Also, how long before they add more teams to the XFL? How long before they add more teams to the league? When will the XFL expand? Honestly, I don't know. I hope never, honestly, which is weird. Um, I don't want the XFL to have more teams. Eight teams is plenty for a couple reasons. There's four games a weekend. They're all national games. You can watch all four games. If you're like desperately love football, you can watch every single game on national TV. It's accessible. It's possible. You can. It's a manageable, manageable amount of football games and a manageable amount of football teams to follow. Not only is it good for me, I'm a person in the media, and I like to follow every single team. Eight teams is plenty. I make a video about every single team every single week. It's great. You can't do that. In the NFL, there's 32 teams. You cannot make a video for every single one of the 32 teams in the NFL. It's not possible. And the reality is that if you have eight teams, it also means you need eight quarterbacks. And right now there are about, of the eight teams, there are six really good quarterbacks. Six solid, good, starting-level quarterbacks in the XFL. Six to eight is not bad. A couple teams, the Vipers are a mess. They can't find a starting quarterback. And it's tough. People don't realize how hard it is. Like, people are like, when is the XFL going to expand? We want 16 teams. We want 12 teams. We want 10 teams. It's just more teams that wouldn't have a great quarterback. I think it's fine. I really, uh, like, the Vipers are very bad. They have a really bad quarterback situation. Three quarterbacks, none of them can play. But I've actually enjoyed watching them in the first two weeks. I've watched more XFL football than most people in the world. I watch so much football. It's ridiculous. I watched them play live, and then I watched them play on TV. That same game, I watched it again because I recorded it. I wanted to watch it on TV as well. And the Vipers are bad at quarterback. But here's a weird criticism. A lot of people are like, 
Does the XFL have a quarterback problem? These bad quarterbacks, they're bogging down the league. I I think it's interesting. The Vipers move the ball a lot, and their quarterback is often the problem they don't succeed, but does it make it unwatchable? No, because I enjoy watching bad quarterback play. It's fascinating to me. If If you're a football player out there, you go, you know what? It's fun to analyze and think about, hey, why did he miss that throw? Why this? Why that? And I'm telling you, if people watch Mitchell Trubisky, the Chicago Bears quarterback, the Bears have a quarterback problem. Their quarterback's terrible. And yet people still watch Chicago Bears games. That's my point, right? Does he actually have a quarterback problem? It's really up to you. To me, it doesn't. I enjoy the games regardless of the quarterbacks. And again, six of the eight are really good. P.J. Walker's phenomenal. But I also see no reason to expand the league. We don't need more teams with more bad quarterbacks. That doesn't make any sense to me. And I I think more teams would make it less manageable. If you had five games a weekend, that's harder to watch. It's harder to watch five games. Yeah, I don't don't need a gigantic league. I like having eight teams. There's enough to follow. Two more. You could add two more teams. I'd be okay with that because uh, there's a couple cities out there that don't have a football team that would love to have a football team. And I, I have a heart for those areas. So if those teams get a football team, if those areas, excuse me, get a football team, I'd be happy for them. That'd be great. But let's slow down about the idea of, you know, uh, expanding the league. We don't need that. Slow down. Enjoy it. And let's enjoy what it is right now. It's an eight-team league. It's plenty. It's a good time. Now, the next question is from Nolan. Nolan writes in. He says, hey, Zach, I'm hoping you can answer this question a few weeks down the line in order to gain a better evaluation on the subject. Is there anybody in particular in the XFL that you can see making an NFL roster? Or maybe is there a coach that you see having a future in the NFL? Thank you for your time, Nolan. Nolan, there are two people that stand out immediately in my mind. I know it hasn't been, it's not week five. You said away, but two people after two weeks are like, bam, these are NFL people. Number one, the DC Defenders head coach, Pep Hamilton, is phenomenal. He's the best coach in the XFL. He's so, so good at what he does. Uh, June Jones is also great. Pep Hamilton is a step above him. Pep Hamilton makes great in-game adjustments. He's a great communicator. He's firm. He's direct, but he cares about his players. It comes out when he talks. And his team is incredibly well-prepared. Pep Hamilton is a phenomenal coach. And he was an NFL assistant, an NFL assistant and a college assistant coach for 22 years, the last 22 years, he's been an assistant coach. He's been waiting, waiting, and waiting for an opportunity as a head coach. The XFL finally gave it to him, and I would not be shocked if down the road we see Pep Hamilton step up into the NFL. He's a great offensive coordinator. I think he could do the job of being a head coach as well. He's done a great job with D.C. Uh, he's been outstanding. Pep Hamilton is an NFL coach to some degree. I think even maybe a head coach. Now, number two. People are discriminating against the Houston Roughnecks quarterback, P.J. Walker. He's a legitimate quarterback prospect. It's so interesting to me. He's got great decision-making. He's got great arm talent. He's mobile. P.J. Walker has the tools of an NFL quarterback. And a lot of people really doubt him. They say, well, he's doing all this against XFL-level defenses. And it's a weird criticism because there's a gap in the logic. It makes no sense to me. You need to view P.J. Walker like a college quarterback. He is simply a quarterback prospect. P.J. Walker's 24 years old. If he was doing what he's doing in the XFL, but he did it at LSU instead, then we'd be talking about P.J. Walker as a potential 
number one overall pick. He would be a first-round quarterback if he was doing what he's doing in college football. Here's the reality that's so weird. This is the gap in logic. The reality is the XFL is a higher level of talent than college football. P.J. Walker has been shredding the XFL. It's actually more impressive for him to do that in the XFL in professional football against better players that maybe didn't quite make it to the NFL but are definitely better than college players. It's more impressive for P.J. Walker to do what he's doing in the XFL than it would be if he was somehow in college. And if P.J. PJ Walker, week three is right around the corner. P.J. Walker might suddenly do terrible. And if it is terrible, yeah, it changes everything I'm saying. But if P.J. Walker keeps doing what he's done in week one and week two of the XFL season, then he deserves to be talked about the same way people talk about Joe Burrow, the same way people talk about Justin Herbert, Tua Tungvaloa. He's a quarterback prospect. He's really talented. And you got to have an open mind. It's very weird to me. People look at P.J. Walker and go, well, he's doing it against XFL defenses. That's a bad criticism. I talked about why that doesn't make any sense. But people also don't seem to realize he's a prospect. It means he's not a finished product. He's still improving. He's still getting better. He's got a higher ceiling. He hasn't hit it. He's got room to grow. Nobody has any kind of vision. It's so weird to me. The way that people discriminate against P.J. Walker makes no sense. Just because he's in the XFL doesn't mean you need to write him off immediately. He's got great quarterback talent. Yeah, he's not a Hall of Famer yet. He's got room to grow. He's got things to work on. Timing could be better. Um, I, I, I think sometimes, uh, I, I don't know. I, ju- I just, I understand. P.J. Walker's not perfect. But man, is he a good quarterback? And the word is prospect. Nobody looks at Joe Burrow and says, Joe Burrow's going to step into an NFL team and be the starter immediately and lead his team to a Super Bowl. No, because we understand, hey, Joe Burrow is going to be better in week 17 next year, the end of the year. Then he will be week one. It's the same with P.J. Walker. If an NFL team brings in P.J. Walker and they look at him like a prospect, treat him like a rookie quarterback, and develop him, oh, that makes sense. You can wrap your head around that. And if you treat P.J. Walker the same way you do other young rookie quarterbacks, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, uh, guys like Justin Herbert, Tua, Joe Burrow, that's how you should approach it, and it makes a lot more sense to do it that way. And when you do it that way, it gives them room to succeed. All right. um, Wow, was that it? Couple more questions. Nolan, uh, I want to answer. I want to do a question from Manuel. Maybe Manuel. Manuel writes in. He says, "Hi Zach, I'm from Italy. I'm a huge fan of your work. I'm a Colorado student. What do you think of the Mel Tucker Michigan State situation? I think he's been badly. I think he has badly mishandled the situation, and now his words mean nothing. He gave a nice message in the PS." Uh, he's been following for a long time. I really appreciate that, man. Man, well, hope I'm saying your name right. I really appreciate your support. Um, so for those who don't know, Mel Tucker took the job as the Michigan State head football coach. Now, the interesting thing in this story to me is the final night of Mel, Tucker, Mel Tucker's career as the Colorado head coach. He went from Colorado to Michigan State. It was a Tuesday night. And two things happened on the Tuesday night he was hired. First, earlier in the evening, he went to a University of Colorado donor event. Basically, he was shaking hands and selling his program to fans and to donors of the program. People with money that are going to donate money to the program, he was talking directly to them. Now, most people have no idea that's a massive part of the job 
for a college football head coach. There's a lot of handshaking. There's a lot of fundraising. It's a part of your job description, especially for teams like Colorado, Boise State, smaller level programs that are, yeah, Pac-12, I guess, but that doesn't mean you're flushed with cash. You're not Alabama. You're not Clemson. You're not uh, Georgia football. You got to go to a lot of fundraisers and meet fans and meet people that have money to give to the program. It's part of the job. It's part of the job description. And so Tuesday night, earlier in the evening, he went to one of those fundraiser events because it's part of his job. It's literally in his job description. And then later in the night, he agreed to a deal to become Michigan State's new head coach. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of speculation for a long time. He got offered the job. And a lot of people were like, you know, is Mel Tucker going to leave? Mel Tucker said, I'm not going to leave. And he actually rejected Michigan State. And Michigan State came back to him with even more money the second time, that Tuesday night. And Mel Tucker said, okay, I got to take it. I'm taking the job. I'm going to Michigan. So that Tuesday night, earlier in the night, goes to a fundraiser. Later in the night, he decides to take the job at Michigan because they gave him a counter offer with more money. And people at his old school are saying things like, we gave you the money and you left. We feel betrayed. You lied to us. You were there. You shook our hands on Tuesday night, and hours later we found out you were leaving. And I, I just so bizarre to me. That number one, this is kind of a side tangent, but I really struggle with people who donate money to colleges. It's a, what are you doing? Why, why would you, anybody give money to a college? I never understand that. Look at tuition prices. You pay $50,000 a year to go to some colleges, and they need your money? I'm not donating you money. I pay you. Your students pay you to go to your school. More money? That's so weird. And then you look at advertising prices. You're like, okay, a lot of, like, Colorado doesn't make as much money as Alabama, clearly. But they make money from advertising. Yeah. They, do they need your money? I don't, I, I'm not giving you money. I'm not giving money to a college ever, anytime soon. And then realize, okay, people who donated money to Colorado. Oh, what did I say there? I said they donated money to Colorado. They gave money to the school. They didn't give money directly to Mel Tucker. They didn't put it in Mel Tucker's hand. They donated money to his program. Now, they did it under the belief he was their head coach. They were buying into his program. I get it. I get it. But the clear thing is, you didn't give money to Mel Tucker. You gave money to the college. And you got to realize, hey, uh, Mel Tucker was Colorado's head coach. He was doing his job. He had to go to the event. He had to shake hands. He had to sell his program. Because at the time, that was his job. At the time of the event, he was doing his job. He can't skip out on the event. What if, you know, people are like, well, if he knew when he was going to take the job, he should have said not gone to the fundraiser. How was he supposed to know he was going to go to Michigan State? He didn't. What if Michigan State pulled out? What if the, it was, It's an unfortunate thing. The timing sucks, right, to go to a fundraiser, to raise money, and then leave literally hours later. It's weird. It's unfortunate. But you can't be mad at Mel Tucker for doing his job. At the time of the event, he was Colorado's head coach. He had to do his job. I just, I, I don't understand the hate. I get, I get the hatred because people are like, my team, and I give money, and I, they're emotionally invested, and they're angry. I understand all that. But I struggle to be angry at a man for doing his job. And how could he know that Michigan State, probably while he was at the event, got an email, or his agent got an email, or got contacted. How was he supposed to know, hey, they gave you way more money than their first offer? Or what if they backed out? You just don't know. At the time of the event, he was hired by Colorado. He had the job, had to do his job. I'm not mad at a guy for doing his job. So, Manuel, uh, I know that's harsh, man. I, 
man, well, I'm sorry for you, man. You lost your head coach, and you know they, they weren't a great team last year. Maybe it's a blessing, maybe not. Um, but is Mel Tucker a horrible, lying, terrible person? Maybe never met him. <laughs> I don't know, but I don't. I don't get the sense that this story is an indicator of that. And so, um, I just would be a little bit har- a little bit lighter on Mel Tucker and the anger that he left Colorado. Okay. Um, the next question is from Jonah. Jonah writes in. He says, "Hey Zach, with some talent in the XFL already showing some pretty great potential, do you believe NFL scouts are watching closely?" Or will they wait a few years to see how the league pans out before considering their players for the next level? Uh, are NFL scouts watching closely? Yes, they are watching the XFL. I know some. They're at the games. They're watching. They're paying attention. Uh, I know for a fact the XFL is very similar to college. Now, it's not getting as much attention. right? Uh, an LSU football game gets more poten- gets more scouts at the game watching and paying attention because there's admittedly... There is uh, a couple, there's like four players at an LSU football game that they go, wow, we want to watch. And there's fewer at an XFL game. And again, it's a lesser known thing. And a lot of the players are already known. Like a lot of the XFL players have been in the NFL before. So people already know how good they are. But there are people in the NFL paying attention to the XFL. There are scouts at the games. Uh, They're watching key players like, there's a couple in XFL games like Nelson Spruce uh, in LA is a phenomenal receiver or... Nick Truesdell is a tight end in Tampa. Wow. He will be in the NFL. People are paying attention to the XFL. Not as much as some places, but a lot of that is partially because, hey, an LSU football game, you've never seen any of these guys play before. In the XFL, these guys are former NFL players. Their tape is out there. People know a lot of them. Uh, But people are paying attention. There are people watching the XFL to see if they can find players. Uh, A team would be dumb. Uh, NFL teams would be dumb not to pay attention to the XFL, and they know that. Because any time you can get an edge and find a player, you do. You just take advantage of that opportunity. The XFLs and professional football, people are paying attention. Even the, the Alliance of American Football last year was a, a league that folded very quickly after a couple games. But even out of that league, you had a lot of players going from the AAF to the NFL because people watched. College, you know, NFL scouts were like, hey, there's talent on these fields. I don't know if the league's going to last, but there are ta- there's talent here. And it's the same thing with the XFL. Okay, Patrick writes in. Patrick says, hey, Zach, as the XFL is able to sign freshman and sophomore college players, do you think it could make sense for players to go this way to the NFL uh, in the future instead of staying in college? Greetings, Patrick. Um, Look, some guys need their degree. There are some players in college football that, let's be honest, they don't have have a chance. They're not going to play in the NFL. It's not going to happen for them. But a few guys are out there that I'm very certain and are certain they're like, this is guys a lock for the NFL. And if you're a guy who doesn't need your degree, you're that talented and you're a lock for the NFL. But the NFL makes you wait three years out of high school before you can go play for them. Go to the XFL. Where would you rather? You got to play three seasons outside of high school before you can play in the NFL. If you're going to the NFL for sure, you're really that talented then dude, uh, I'm down. Go to the XFL. Go make money. Go make a lot of money. (laughs) Way more money than nothing. You're making nothing in college football. Now, if you're a guy who's nervous or thinks you need your degree and might want your degree, of course go to college. And if you're a guy who's not the best in the nation, you're not the best and you're not a sure lock for the NFL, then you should go to college and get your degree because it helps to have that in your back pocket. 
Because a lot of guys, most guys in the NFL go for like three years, they flame out, then they end up using that degree they got in college, and they're, they're doing sales, they're doing marketing, they're doing all kinds of stuff. A lot of guys that play college football end up well, needing their degree. Not necessarily using their degree, but needing their degree. So I, I recommend if you can get your degree, get your degree. But if you're a special, like Leonard Fournette didn't need his degree. <laughs> Leonard Fournette was very clearly a very talented, very incredible running back. He could have played in the NFL probably as a 19-year-old. If you're that physically gifted, go play in the XFL. Go get paid for your work. That's what makes more sense to me. So, yeah, that's, that's my take. Andrew writes in. Andrew says, do you see Taysom Hill making it as a starting quarterback on a roster? Or is he a gadget play guy at best? Uh, no, I do not see Taysom Hill being an NFL starting quarterback. He's not a franchise quarterback. He's just not. Um, Taysom Hill wants more money. You know, there's demands recently where Taysom Hill, the Saints backup quarterback, a guy that plays a lot, he catches passes, he runs the ball, he does throw sometimes. Um, there's a rumor out there that, you know, hey, I, I'm, I'm leaving. I want to be a franchise quarterback. That's silly. I don't think he even believes he's a franchise quarterback. He just knows, hey, uh, I need more money. I want more money. And the way you do that is with leverage. And so that's what's going on with Taysom Hill. He's got an average arm. He's an average decision maker. He, you can't even build an offense around Taysom Hill's ability to run the ball. You know, you guys watch guys like Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. They built an entire offense around his ability to run the ball. That's because Lamar Jackson is a special runner of the football. One little problem with Taysom Hill. Uh, oh, oh, he's not. <laughs> he's not a special runner of the football. He can run the ball. He does run the ball. But Lamar Jackson is light years ahead of Taysom Hill. They're hard to compare. And so I, I just don't see a future where Taysom Hill is uh, is a, a, a full-time starting quarterback. He doesn't have the arm talent. He's not good enough as a quarterback. And he's not good enough as a runner, even to build an offense like the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson. So uh, Taysom Hill is best suited as a, I guess you call it a gadget player. He's contributing all over the field. He's running the ball. He's catching passes. He's throwing the ball sometimes. I think Taysom Hill needs to be a little bit more grateful for the role he's found in the NFL. Very few teams have a third-string quarterback. Oh, the New Orleans Saints have for the last two years because they understand, hey, we can use Taysom Hill around the field. A lot of guys flame out of the NFL. They don't make it. Taysom Hill found a role. He should lean into that role, embrace it, do well. But Taysom Hill is not a franchise quarterback in the NFL. Devin writes in. Devin says, it's a long one. Devin says, hey, Zach, you have said you are planning on moving to Cincinnati in the near future. And I was just wondering if you will be coming coming down to Louisville to watch some college sports. As you know, we have a Power 5 football program at the University of Louisville and a historic basketball program with the best college basketball rivalry in the country against the University of Kentucky. I'm biased as I am a Louisville alumni. If you're ever down, I would love to have lunch with you. Thanks. Uh, Devin, yes, let's get lunch in Louisville. I would love that. Uh, Here's my plan. For people who don't know, I'm moving to Cincinnati. I'm moving to Cincinnati in August. That's my plan. Uh, In my head, in my brain, it's going to be a six-month stop. I'll I'll sign a six-month lease when I go to Cincinnati. I'm going to be there for football season and then there for college basketball season. My plan and my goal and my desire 
is to, yes, enjoy Cincinnati. I'm going to go to Northern Row Brewery. They're great. I love the people there. It's my favorite brewery on the planet. It's just an, a great atmosphere, great beer. I want to sit there and do work. Occasionally, once a week, if I live in Cincinnati, you will see me at that brewery on a laptop working on Strong Opinion Sports. Can't wait for that. But the real reality, I love Cincinnati. It's beautiful. It's, it's really, truly like, I live in Portland, Oregon. Cincinnati blows Portland out of the water. Portland's nasty. It's dirty. It's gross. Cincinnati's clean. It's beautiful. The people are very friendly. Some of the people have Kentucky accents, which I love. Everything's really cheap. I'm a big fan of that. But I'm going to Cincinnati because on weekends, my plan is to go enjoy sporting events. I want to go watch games. I want to go watch NFL football. I want to go watch games in Pittsburgh. Nashville, Tennessee is pretty close. Chicago, Detroit, Green Bay, Lambeau Field, man. (laughs) Minneapolis is a short flight away. I want to go to games. Indianapolis, Indianapolis, the Colts are an hour and a half away from Cincinnati. I had no idea. Maybe I can go on the Pat McAfee show. Maybe Pat McAfee would allow me to drive from my house in Cincinnati and, oh, hey, hey, Pat, I'm here. Can I be on the couch? Can I talk to you? I think that'd be really fun. Trying to speak that into existence. If you like that idea, send Pat a tweet. Maybe, maybe literally screen cap the video, send it to him. Hey, I'm down. I'd be so much fun, Pat. Pat, big fan. We've, been, we've DM'd each other. I love that. Um, I want to go to college football games. Michigan, Notre Dame, Ohio State, so many more. So many college football programs are in the Midwest within driving distance of Cincinnati. People don't realize, you know, I live on the West Coast where Bozeman, Montana is 12 hours away. San Francisco is like, I think, 11 hours south, 11, 10 hours, like way south. Um, Seattle's the only other city nearby, and they have the University of Washington. They have the Seattle Seahawks. That's two hours away. But other than that, there's not really a lot of sports around me. The, The West Coast is so spread out. The Midwest is not like that. For me, four hours away is driving distance. I can drive there, spend a weekend in that city. Enjoy it. I'm going to, man, I'm, my plan is to go to Lambeau Field. A, a buddy of mine plays college football at Central Washington University. I'm so excited. They're playing a game in Marquette, Michigan. I'm going to go to Michigan, go to the game on Saturday, drive down from that game, go to Lambeau Field on Sunday, go to a Packers game, drive home. Sounds like a blast. Amazing time. I would love that. Maybe fly home because maybe I'll go. That's a long, and Marquette is a long way. It's like a two hour flight, it's like a seven hour drive. Maybe I'll just fly very briefly. My point is, though, I'm going to Cincinnati to enjoy the sports in the area. It's a six-month trip for me. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to just be in a city briefly, a city I love. I, I love Cincinnati so much. It just feels like home to me. And then to go to sporting events sounds like a blast. And so, Devin, yeah, if, we're, if I'm in Louisville, going to a Louisville basketball game or Louisville football game, which is going to happen. I'm, I'm going, whether it's basketball or football, definitely basketball, maybe football, I'm going to Louisville. I'm going to enjoy the city. I'm going to have... Good food, enjoy the place. And Devin, I would be honored to get lunch with you. That'd be so much fun. Um, that's why I do it, man. That's why sports for me are all about experiences. I love it. That'd be so much fun. That's why I'm going to Cincinnati. That's my passionate rant about my plan, my grand <laughs> master plan for Cincinnati. It's going to be so much fun. Um, Alex writes in. Alex says, hey, Zach. Recently, I heard an NFL pundit call Tony Romo either a legendary quarterback or a legendary player. I believe Romo's talent as a quarterback is misrepresented by the media because there are, you know, the three certainties in life are death, taxes, life, death, taxes, and that sports, the sports media will find a way to talk about the Cowboys. I butchered that. He says the three certainties, and he actually lists four, which is kind of weird. He says life, death, taxes, and the sports media will find a way to talk about the Cowboys. Hey, you're not wrong. Uh, people talk about the Cowboys way too much. 
He says, but I'm also a Giants fan. I'm biased. My personal beliefs regarding Tony Romo's ability as an NFL quarterback. Therefore, I was wondering how you rate Tony Romo as an NFL quarterback and if he is deserving of the status as an NFL legend. Keep up the great work. Um, I had a lot to say, actually. So first of all, let's be very clear. Tony Romo is not a Hall of Fame player. He's nowhere near that at all. Um, but he was. He's kind of misremembered. We always remember him as the guy who couldn't win in the end of game. Like, he couldn't win a lot at the end of games. And we remember him as a guy who fumbled that. You know, he was holding a field goal in Seattle in the playoffs. He fumbled that. He's remembered as a guy who kind of screwed up at the end. and In big moments, he couldn't deliver. And... I think he's misremembered kind of in history. He was always, I think, kind of misrepresented, period, by the media at that time. Tony Romo played on some really heinously bad Dallas Cowboys teams. He, he just played on bad football teams. And uh, people say, well, he could never win at the end of games. But he was the only reason his team was even in the game to begin with. He carried the Dallas Cowboys for a couple of years when they were a really bad football team. So that's, that's my general impression of Tony Romo. Now, let's talk about the language we use. I think legend works. I don't know. I mean, guys like Carson Palmer, um, Tony Romo, guys who are not Hall of Fame quarterbacks but were very good and deserve a lot of respect. How do you refer to them? Uh, is it a you know very good quarterback, Tony Romo? And that legendary quarterback, Tony Romo, works for me. You would say Hall of Fame quarterback if he was. He's not. But he's a really good guy who deserves a lot of respect, a great quarterback. Um, so I don't know, what, what do you call a respected player who has retired? I think legendary works. Legendary for me is fine language to use. That's how I would describe Tony Romo. A very, very good quarterback. People, Tony, Tony Romo and Carson Palmer, I'm doing a topic soon about Carson Palmer. Man, uh, underappreciated quarterbacks in NFL history. Okay, Sydney writes in with a question. Uh, Sydney says... Hey, Zach, love the videos you keep putting out. They're a joy to listen to. So here's my question. By the way, if you don't know, the show is also on iTunes. It's not just a, a show. It's not just on YouTube. You can listen to an audio-only version. It's a podcast. I film the podcast. But it's on iTunes. It's on Spotify. It's on SoundCloud. It's everywhere you can find your podcast. It's like on it's like a 25 different services. If you want to listen to the podcast and don't need to watch it on YouTube, you can do that, and it's out there. Uh, so Sydney writes in. He says... Here's my question. I remember in one of your podcasts a while back, you mentioned that you love baseball and going to the minor league games around your area. Do you plan on talking about more baseball once the season starts, or are you still mainly going to focus on the NFL as those are your best performing videos? Um, first of all, look, I, I think my best plan in the offseason is to do film analysis videos. I've been dragging my feet a little bit because there's still, there's still a lot of stuff to talk about right now. Now, film analysis is ramping up. I've been working on a couple videos. Uh, I'm going on a trip to New York. That trip to New York is going to be me in coffee shops, watching film, making videos, preparing for when I get back to put out a lot of film analysis content. I understand it's the NFL offseason, and I have an opportunity to make content other people cannot make because my film analysis videos are unique. They're special. I think it's what sets me apart than other you know, talk shows during the NFL offseason is my ability to create news with my film analysis videos. But baseball, um, you know, I'm already not super into Major League Baseball. And then all this cheating stuff has been going on. Uh, it's, man, it's really turning me off. The MLB has really mishandled all the cheating stuff. Everything I hear about the cheating scandals and all the, the Astros 
just just a bad look. It's not good. It makes me just really not interested in watching baseball. I'm already kind of bitter. I was a Mariners fan. They were terrible. I hate, uh, there's a reason I'm not a – I don't have a favorite team in any sport. It's because the Seattle Mariners burned me so bad. Um, now, you got to also understand there's a big difference between enjoying going to a game. Going to a baseball game is incredible. And there's a big difference between that experience and then following baseball, following the games. Every, you know, people don't understand there are so many games every single night in baseball. It's a daunting task to imagine trying to follow the sport of baseball as even a fan, let alone as a media outlet trying to cover it. How do you, you make content about baseball? Like, here's the thing. You would, do, you would have to literally record at midnight to do a recap. If you did a daily recap of baseball, the only way to do it is to record at midnight because games happen at night and during the day. So you'd have to wait till all the games end, talk about baseball at midnight, put the content out. And then by the time it's even out for the people to listen to, guess what? There's already more games happening the next day. It's an impossible thing to keep up with. I don't understand how I don't understand how people enjoy it. It exhausts me just thinking about even being a fan of MLB baseball. Sounds terrible. There's so many there's 162 games in a season packed into like four or five is it five months? Six months? I have no idea, but it's just way too short a time to have that many games. It's it sounds miserable actually. I would hate it. There's an oversaturation of games. The product is diluted when you have 162 games. I hate it. It's not fun to me. Uh, but I got to say, live baseball. Watching a baseball game at the, at the ballpark. You have a hot dog. You got a beer. My best friend's with me. Man, um, sounds incredible. I want to take my girlfriend to a Mariners game. This, this, uh, I, I live two hours from Seattle. You know, honestly, screw the Mariners. I, I still hate them. I, for like $14, I can go to a Portland Pickles baseball game. Get a pickle margarita. My friends will come. The, the ticket's like six dollars, so you know it's twenty dollars with a drink and a hot dog and and a ticket. Man, it's I, that to me, a day at the ballpark with your girlfriend and your friends and a beer. That's what I love. Do I love following baseball? No, 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 no. Sounds miserable. Sounds exhausting. Way too many things going on to follow that. But going to the ballpark, enjoying a beer, enjoying a hot dog, hanging out with your friends. That's what I like. That's what I love about baseball. Baseball's a sport you go to hang out and enjoy. You see some cool stuff. You see some people do things that I can't physically do with a bat and a ball. And so, I don't know. Also, I got to say, I, to follow baseball, I would have to force myself to enjoy something that I just don't. I, I really struggle with the way that Major League Baseball has, like the culture of baseball. Baseball guys, that culture, like no celebrating. You can't, you can't hit a home run and flip the bat, which is my fa- my favorite moment in baseball is ruined because people say it's not professional or cool. The coolest thing in baseball is when you hit a home run and you stare down the pitcher. That moment of drama, love it, man. It's incredible. That's my favorite moment. Then the guy flips the bat off and you go, oh, man. Look at him. He's showing off. He's showboating to the pitcher. He just owned him. He just meant. And then here's the thing. If you don't like that, if you're like, the pitcher's offended, why doesn't the pitcher strike him out? Right? It's, I like that. It's like celebrating in football. You know, the NFL allows celebrations. They're like, hey, celebrations are cool and it's fun. And when you watch an NFL season on Saturday and Sunday of the NFL season, all you see are videos on Instagram and Twitter of celebrations and guys dancing because it's fun. You know what you don't see in baseball? 
you don't see a lot of videos of bat flips because they're like outlawed. They're like unacceptable. That's dumb. I hate that. They took away my favorite part of the game. That moment of tension and drama between the pitcher and the batter has been ruined because people said, that's not cool. Literally 60-year-old men said, that's, that's not cool. We don't value social media. And uh, we don't value drama. That's, that's disrespectful. It's not our way. Well, your way's dumb, and I'm not watching. Um, <laughs> whew, what a rant. What a passionate rant about baseball. I d- I don't know, man. I, I want to love the game. I want to love baseball. I want to go to games and have fun. I, I just, there are so many things I would change. I made a video a while back if you want to listen to it. It's like, it's called like how I would change baseball, I think. And uh, how I would fix baseball, maybe. Because I think baseball has a lot of inherent problems that, it's just, it's just a bad, uh, it's just a bad product that's sad because it doesn't need to be. Okay, um, Clutch God writes in, he says, hey, Zach, if you were trying to get someone into football, who had never watched before, how would you do it? If I were trying to introduce someone to football, the rules are daunting. People don't understand. Like, I think a lot of men especially don't have a sensitivity to the fact that the rules of football are confusing. Even for someone like, it's not about this or that. It's, if you grew up watching football, it's hard to understand someone who doesn't understand football because like, it's a first down. What do you mean you don't get a first down? But people, the rules are so complicated, and if you've grown up with the game of football, you do all the math and you do all the thought processing and all the understanding of the game in your head, and you don't even realize how complicated all the stuff you're processing in your brain is. Um, So what I would do, if I was to, like my girlfriend doesn't know anything about football, and it's kind of a blessing because we go to dinner and she doesn't want to talk about the Cleveland Browns. That's what I do for work, and so it's really nice to not have to focus on the Browns constantly when I'm at dinner with my girlfriend. It's nice that she doesn't understand football. But I will say, if I were ever to try to introduce her to the game of football, someone who doesn't really understand it, I would try to appeal to her emotional side. I would show her a football documentary. I would probably show her um, either like a 30 for 30 is great. Uh, Carson Palmer, a football life is great. But the best sports documentary, best football documentary, I would probably show my girlfriend to introduce her to the game of football would be the ESPN 30 for 30, The Four Falls of Buffalo. It's a tragic story where the Buffalo Bills lost four championships in a row. Four in a row. I mean, they got to the pinnacle, and they lost all four times. It's unprecedented. And if you can't watch that story and connect with the gut-wrenching experience of loss and failure, I think you're not human. And so if I were to – I shouldn't have said the emotional side. I would say if I were to show somebody football, man, woman, who knows, whatever you are, right, from another country, maybe never just never liked football – I would try to appeal to their humanity and show them a story like the 30 for 30, the four falls of Buffalo, where you're showing them the human side, loss, failure, success, dealing with all that. That's what I love about football anyway. They don't need to know the rule, like first down, catch, all this. It's complicated, and they'll learn it in time if they want to, but that's something they have to choose on their own. If you want to learn football, you learn football, but you do it by watching and that's something that someone has to choose on their own. If I was ever introduced someone to the game of football, I would just try to show them a story, appeal to their humanity with a documentary that teaches them about loss, uh, a football life, America's game, 30 for 30. There's a lot of football documentaries. Maybe you watch All or Nothing on Amazon Prime, but there are so many documentaries you could watch that would appeal to someone's humanity and show them that side of football, and that's how I would introduce someone to the game. Okay, um, W. Tyler writes in, 
It, it is it is something I've revisited. He even acknowledges this in the question, but I do think it's worth revisiting again a th- uh, another time just to be very clear. He writes in, he says, "Hey Zach's eyeballs, which I love. What do you think of the uh, what do you think of the upcoming NFL free agency when it comes to the big name quarterbacks? Are there any dream matchups of yours with specific with uh, with with specific? Wow, if you have a list, saying specific is really tough with specific." Quarterback team combos. Apologies if you've addressed this earlier. Appreciate your fantastic podcast. So he's basically saying, what storylines and quarterbacks am I curious to watch in NFL free agency? Um, for me, the one I, if I could make a dream scenario happen with a quarterback, I would send Tom Brady to the Raiders to work with John Gruden. It's a perfect fit. Uh, I think they would appreciate each other. Tom Brady would really love being the man John Gruden would allow that. He would appreciate him. He'd probably get Tom Brady help and bring good players into Oak into Vegas to help Tom Brady. I think and, and John Gruden is a brand. He's in commercials. He's a been the man before for ESPN. And uh, you know, Tom Brady's a brand as well. They would understand each other better than most col- you know, coach and quarterback combinations in the NFL. I'd love to see them work together. And then the other one I want to see is Phillip Rivers go somewhere competitive. Um, you know, the Sandy, the, wow, I still struggle with that. I always want to call the Chargers the San Diego Chargers. They're not San Diego, but I still want to do it all the time. Uh, the LA Chargers decided to move on from their longtime quarterback, Phillip Rivers, but they didn't do it because they hate Phillip Rivers. They did it because he's getting older and they've got an early pick in the draft. And this is a great jumping off point for them. It's a great moment for them to move on as a franchise and go get a potential rookie franchise quarterback. It said more about the Chargers and their time sense of timing than it did about Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers can still play. And I, I think, man, if you see Phillip Rivers in a Colts uniform next year on that roster, a good roster that can win, man, I think that'd be great. Uh, Phillip Rivers is too good to not play somewhere next year. And there are too many teams that need a quarterback. Even if you're a team, like whatever team drafts Jordan Love, Needs a quarterback that year because Jordan Love won't be ready next year. He'll be ready in two years from now. So I'm telling you, somebody out there, whether it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Colts, the Bears, there are teams out there that are ready to win, that need a quarterback, and Phillip Rivers can answer the call. It would be a shame and it would be very bizarre to me and a gigantic missed opportunity if Phillip Rivers didn't play quarterback for somebody this upcoming fall. Can we have, uh, I think, just two questions left, I believe. Yeah, two questions left. Sad Bears fan writes in. He says, "Hey Zach, do you think the, NF- the do you think the XFL will ever establish itself with its own high end NFL talent and get them to stay and not move to the NFL constantly?" Uh, well, first of all, there is a story today. I read it that the XFL is really pulling a lot of CFL players. CFL players have left the Canadian Football League, a longtime stable league to go to the XFL to play for them in the XFL because the XFL is offering them more money and better lucrative deals. Guaranteed money, but also guaranteed exclusivity. They're saying, hey, we're not going back. We're just going to play in the XFL. That's it. But the XFL cannot keep people from the NFL. It's not lucrative enough. They can't incentivize it enough because there's not enough money in the league. Um, you know, they could outbid for a few players. Like if P.J. Walker, the face of the league, the best quarterback in the XFL, was offered 
$4 million a year to be a backup quarterback in the NFL, I would be, it would be a big shame if the XFL didn't say, hey, uh, no, 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 we'll give you $6 million. Stay with us. We'll be, we'll be the face of the league. Get to play or not a backup. The XFL should outbid the NFL for a couple key players to keep their league relevant. But are they going to keep a lot of t- talent from leaving to go to the NFL? No, uh, because it's guys like um, uh, Nelson Spruce, the receiver in L.A., is just going to get far more money from an NFL team being a star receiver there than staying in the XFL. So even as a, a contributing third receiver in the NFL makes more money than a starter in the XFL. So it's just there's not enough money yet for the XFL to keep people around. Now, maybe in the future, five years from now, the XFL will be even more established, have even more money. Maybe they will be competitive, but for now, the XFL does not have enough money to keep people around. Now, the final question is from Caleb. I know Caleb used to live in my area in the Northwest. Caleb, he lives in Florida now. He writes in and says, Hello, Zach. I enjoyed your week one XFL review. Excited to watch a Vipers game with a friend soon. My question is non-sports related, but about your region. What are your favorite beaches in the Pacific Northwest? My personal favorite is Nye Beach in Newport, Oregon. Uh, my favorite beach in the Northwest and really in the world. Um, I'm Because I grew up in the Northwest, meaning that it rains all the time, it's dark, it's stormy. I've never been to a tropical beach. I've never been to a beach with warm water. I'm sure that would very much change my opinion of beaches. Um, but currently... I really like a good stormy, dark, rainy beach. I do. And uh, now, that doesn't mean that the beach I'm about to say is always dark and stormy. Go to my Instagram. It's at Zach Schaumler. I have countless pictures at this beach. I've been there many times, many day trips, many vacations there. I've stayed the weekends there. Uh, Cape Kowanda in Pacific City, Oregon is my favorite beach in the world. It's beautiful. It's great on a sunny day. It's great on a rainy day. It's stormy. I was there at a, a king tide one time, meaning that uh, the, this, the surf was way up and literally like almost hitting the parking lot. It was really, really cool. Um, it's it's kind of quieter. It's really pretty. It's, it's secluded. Um, but what you can do when you get there is you go up. There's a gigantic dune up to the right. And there's a lot of people probably on the beach, a lot of cars there. But if you go up on the dune, you walk up there to the top. It's like, I don't know, it's really, really tall. It's, it's a long walk. But if you get up there to the top, you're the only couple people up there. And then if you go over the dune and down into this giant crevasse, there's an area that's more secluded and there's literally nobody and you'll be the only people there. And it's my favorite moment is you walk down into this giant area. You kind of have to have more athletic shoes because there is some tough stuff and it's really wet and you can slip and there's mud. And But you get down there and they're in this giant area on either side. is these gigantic cliffs around you with like crumb, crumbling limestone rock. And it's just the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. It's secluded. It's loud because you hear the crashing of the, the waves on the rocks. And, uh, man, it's amazing. It's my favorite spot in the world. When my brother died four years ago, uh, I used to go there all the time by myself, literally, and sit in that spot. I'd drive two hours to the beach for the day to sit in that spot and just listen for like – I'd sit there for like six hours with a book and just listen to the, the waves hitting and the solitude. And it would rain sometimes. And for me – it was the most therapeutic, beautiful spot in the world. And so Cape Kiwanda, Pacific City, Oregon. You go to Tillamook, Oregon. You turn left. You drive for like 20 more minutes, and it's, um, it's the most beautiful place I've ever been. I, I just, it's very emotional for me, but it's my favorite spot uh, on the planet. I love it. It's very beautiful, and that's my favorite beach in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, guys, that's all I have. 
Thank you so very much. Uh, I want to end the show this way. It's the way I always end every single podcast. Um, for those who don't know, I think you know, uh, four years ago, my younger brother took his life. He committed suicide. And I learned two really painful lessons from that experience. Number one is that if you're struggling, please go get help. Uh, please do not suffer in silence. It's a big deal. My brother never got help. Uh, one day I came home and he was dead on the floor. And that's pretty miserable. I, I don't encourage it. I don't, I don't want that for anybody. I don't want you to die. And I don't want people to lose family members. So please, if you're struggling, go get help. Go talk to somebody. Now, I am encouraged. It's one of the media standards in the world is that if you talk about suicide, you're heavily encouraged to share the suicide hotline. The suicide hotline is one 800 Two seven three eight two five five. The suicide hotline is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. It's a big deal. It matters a lot to me because I, 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 don't, I hope you don't call the number. I hope if you do, you do it because you need it. But if you can, talk to a human being in your life. Talk to a teacher, a counselor, your friend. Go get help. Talk to somebody. If you have nobody, call the suicide hotline. It's great. But if you can, just please talk to somebody. Go get help. Now, the other lesson in all this, I learned that you know, if you're struggling, talk to somebody. It's super important. But the other painful lesson I learned in all of this is that don't be afraid to talk to people in your life. I saw my brother all the time. We played Halo together. We played high school football together. We worked. We literally worked at the same car wash together. Saw him all the time. And my brother and I had very shallow surface level conversations about sports and movies and girls and video games. I regret not telling my brother that I love him more. I told him sometimes I should have told him more. I should have hugged my brother more. I'm encouraging you, make sure the people in your life know how much you love them. Make sure the people in your life know they're cared for and that they understand if they're having a hard time, they can come talk to you. Make sure they know the door is open. My brother never talked to me. My brother never told me he was having a hard time. Again, one day came home, went to my parents' house, brother dead on the floor. I was in college. Miserable, man. Just terrible. I found him. I don't want that for anybody else, and I don't want anybody else to die. So if you're struggling, go get help, and then make sure the people in your life know they can talk to you if they need help. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much. I hope you enjoy the background behind me, courtesy of my girlfriend. She really helped me uh, make this podcast look a little better. If you're watching on YouTube, you get to see it. If you're on iTunes, you haven't. I encourage you, if you're on iTunes, give it a look. Go to my YouTube channel, Zach, and Strong Opinion Sports. Just, just You, you want to see the curtain behind me. It's really pretty. It's really cool. We're still getting the wrinkles out of it, doing the best we can. Um, but, man, I'm I just uh, I'm so grateful for you guys. I'm glad you listen. Hope you have a great day. But um bum Bam, we are done.